This is CliffCentral.com. I'm going to start off our program today with a quote from David Wilkerson, because we are, just by the way, still celebrating love this month. And uh, the quote goes like this. Love is not only something you feel, it is something you do. And on that note, uh, or quote, <laughs> rather, a loving welcome to all our listeners here on the Open Book Cliff Central. I hope that uh, you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day with either your partners or loved ones. But if not, um, then you can find peace in the fact that God was with you wherever you were, loving you every second of the day. So our topic for today is titled, True Love is Forgiveness. I'll say it again. True love is forgiveness. Because if we really want to love, we must learn to forgive. But before we get into the forgiveness part uh, with my guest Yolandi Korki, who uh, some of you may remember for making worldwide news when her and her late husband were held hostage in Yemen about a year ago, I want us to first discover what this love that we're talking about really is. So here goes. Today's culture has an incredible vocabulary when it comes to coffee. Come on, I'm sure most of you know this. We have uh, cappuccino, there's espresso, the skinny latte, macchiato, and even americano. You choose which one is your favorite. While in the same way, the Greeks in ancient times identified up to about six types of love, with four of these being in the Bible. And the first one of these is called phileo, which means brotherly or sisterly love, phileo. It is found uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, which uh, reads as follows. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I've got to tell you, I discovered this type of love, um, this filial love in my early teens, when I developed a close relationship with a group of friends at school. We were kind of like, uh, I don't know what, like the famous, the famous five. Uh, but when I started to in now, when I started to innocently feel it uh, for a specific girl that uh, I just met, uh, it soon developed into another type of love, which is called storgi love. I think that's how you say it, storgi love. Now, storgi love is the kind of love that didn't belong in the friend zone. You didn't just like this girl, which is uh, what I believe phileo is. You actually were falling in love with this girl, but not uh, any other kind of love, but the Storgi kind of love, uh, if you know what I, uh, if you know, if you know what I mean. Storgi would best be described as affection. C.S. Lewis describes this kind of love as the humblest and most widely diffused of loves. Listen to that word, humblest, humblest. This is um, this is mostly described as the kind of love that exists between a parent and a child. You get my point. It's um, affection, but definitely not sexual. Affection, but not sexual. So it's the kind of love like where, you know, you like to give them hugs. You like to just spend all the time with them. It's humble. It's honest. But the other kind of love, the third one, after phileo and storge, is eros. Now, eros is probably the most experienced type of love. Because um, as much as, as it has its roots, um, it is the root word for erotic, it's actually the highly intense, passionate kind of love that arouses romantic feelings for someone else. But now, unless Eros is driven by real love, it never lasts. And here's the reason. Here's the reason, right? Because it is actually based more on emotion than commitment. Now, when you take emotion... And you put it next to love. 
Emotions change. They change on a daily basis. Sometimes you're feeling, you're feeling in love and sometimes you're not feeling so in love. You know that you love your wife or, or your husband or your girlfriend or boyfriend, but some of the times you're not that in love with them, but you still want to be there with them, but not necessarily do the eros kind of things. So that's why, you know, eros is the kind of a love that you cannot necessarily solely depend on, um, when you, when you fall in love. Because you know why? If you're not feeling good, you're not going to feel like necessarily spending all your time with the person. So Eros love is a selfish one. It's all about me, 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 instead of you, you, you. But of all the love that I've ever known, the best love that I've ever discovered was this. And it is called agape love. Agape love is the highest form of love. This is the kind of love that is unconditional, it's unselfish, and it's full of sacrifice. It is God himself because God is love, agape love. And it is probably the hardest to attain because we're not able to produce it in ourselves. It is only received. We cannot produce God. We can only receive God. We cannot produce agape. We can only receive agape love. That's the only way. And that's the only way we'll actually be able to share it. So in order for us to be able to share agape love, this real love, this true love, is if we've received it. Because we cannot produce it. And First John, actually, First John chapter 4 verse 19 speaks of it like this. It says, we love, and when it says love, uh, the Greek, it has the Greek word agape. We love because and only because God first loved us. The Bible on First uh, John chapter 4 verse 10 describes it as such. It says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for, for our sins. For love to be agape love, it will always demand a sacrifice. It doesn't say me, me, me. It says you, you, you. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. That's what the Bible says that for God so loved the world, for God so agape the world that he gave because that is what agape love demands us to do. And this is also found in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 which says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And lastly, the level of agape love because this has a level. The level of agape love is found in Romans chapter 5 verse 7, which reads as follows. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So yes, love doesn't discriminate. God did not discriminate on who it is that he would die for, on who it is that he would not die for. He chooses to love whether you're a friend, an enemy, gay, straight, black, white, Muslim, or Christian. And this is probably the story of my guest, Yolandi Korki, who'll be speaking to us after the break. It's about love, true love and forgiveness. So stay with us here on The Open Book, Cliff Central, as we learn about love and forgiveness, um, which is our topic for today. See you after this when I speak to Yolandi Korki. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. On 6th December 2015, it was exactly one year since South African kidnapping victim Pierre Korki was killed in Yemen during a failed rescue attempt by USA Navy SEALs. Tragically, it was just 48 hours before Pierre was supposed to be released after long and intense negotiations by Gift of the Givers. 
The news headlined in all major news networks in South Africa, America, Britain, France, Canada, Australia, India and China. Billions of people all over the world were shocked by the outcome and demanded answers. Who shot Pierre? Why does a family who expected a happy reunion suddenly need to prepare for a funeral? Through all of this, Yolandi Korki stood strong with her two children before retreating to mourn their loss in private. Now, just over a year after Pierre's death, Yolandi tells their story in a raw and honest memoir called 558 Days. She relives the couple's kidnapping and brutal severance from their children and life as they knew it. From the moment they were kidnapped by Al-Qaeda in 2013 until Yolandi's release and then through to Pierre's tragic death, 558 Days recounts the Korki's horrific ordeal. Don Nortier, who's the family spokesperson, he says of this, um, of the book 558 Days, he says, It is an intertwining story of faith, unwavering trust, and refined love that, lead the, um, that, that leads the Korkis through untold hardships, past death, and to the purest form of love, forgiveness. Yes, this is a true love story, which soon turns tragic and has now led to forgiveness. Yolandi Korki is with us here on The Open Book, over Skype, joining us from Cape Town. A warm welcome to you, um, Yolandi. Thank you, Dougie. Before we speak about this book, uh, 558 Days, uh, we just want to know, how did you and your late husband, Pierre, land up in Yemen? Yes, um, Pierre was a teacher at Great College in Bloemfontein for many years. In fact, he taught for about 25 years. Yeah. And um, we formed on the side. And in that time, he started. we started just reaching out to other places. Um, he had a ministry amongst the poor um, where we would serve them in, in whatever way their needs yeah. would show up. And then we went on an exchange program to Yemen um, for a month in 2007 where we, where we um, helped at the university to teach a bit of English. Yemen is a poor country like Afghanistan. In mm. that type of um, setting, if you can imagine that. And it was maybe because they were so poor that we were really struck by their need. Um, and we asked each other after we had come back after our return, would, what would it be possible for to go for maybe a longer time, a five-year period to serve and see how God can use us in that way? Why Yemen, um, why Yemen and not obviously like another country? I mean, you've just mentioned mm-hmm. Afghanistan. I think at that stage um, there were a couple of countries that could have been Egypt or, you know, Oman or Dubai. But I think it was the poorness of the Yemeni people. And then, of course, I've got an incredible rich um, history. Um, for if you go back to the Bible and you look from Genesis 10, yeah. where you can trace the ancestry, um, it was a fascinating people group that just also drew my heart from a very young age. Mm. So um, how, long had, how long had you guys been there before, um, before the capture happened? We, were, we had been there for maybe about four, four and a half years, intermittently coming and going as we would come back to South Africa for reasons and then go back again. Yeah. And how was life? I mean, like, how was life in Yemen? Because, um, you know, just having seen a small little bit on, uh, on Carte Blanche a few days ago, um, mm-hmm. apparently there were, there were guns going on all the time. Was that how it was for the four years you guys were there? Initially, it was a little bit calmer. Um, it was a, um, we, when we entered Yemen the first time. It was still very much a tourist attraction type country. Uh, lots of um, tourism going on. They were inviting many uh, peoples to come and teach and help out in the country. And but then, of course, the revolution started, and yeah. that spilled over to Yemen, which 
um, made it more a warlike situation. But Yemen itself hosts about 66 million weaponry. And so it's sort of normal for the Yemenis to walk around with weapons all the time. Wow. Um, it's a very tribal country, not, and you know, it's hard for us South Africans to imagine tribes. But there it's just really tribal. You move from area to area and you're in a different tribe. So it's a lot of surviving that goes on. And with that goes a lot of guns. And then obviously guns were used to celebrate um, weddings and birthdays and things like that. So it's a complete different culture than South African culture. Really, it's completely, wow. as day and night is different, it's, it's like that. Yeah, well, I think by the way you're explaining it, it must definitely be way different to here. So mm-hmm. what eventually, um, what led to the capture and... Um, yeah, I mean, like, I guess I want to just know, and also, um, and also under what conditions were you released? Because apparently you were released, um, you were released before, and then, um, and then obviously Pierre stayed, um, Pierre stayed behind. Yeah, the kidnapping, of course, um, in countries like that, you get tribal kidnappings, and then you get more your your militant Al Qaeda kidnappings, and those play out differently. But in our case, it was an Al Qaeda kidnapping. Yeah. And Al Qaeda doesn't have a place to stay. They're not. Um, they don't have a province that they own, or if they've got a village that they own, or land. They're not. They 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 they're not welcome there. So they hide themselves inside a tribe, and from out of that, they send out messages that they want to um, the tribes to do a kidnapping for them. So the kidnapping happened, and we were handed over finally in the lines. Then we went, and. Um, yeah, just remind me of your second part of the question. Under what conditions was I released? Yeah. Yeah. I was released without any payment that took place, but obviously I had to go and find the ransom to see Pierre released. They wouldn't let Pierre go for free as mm. well. That there would be no way they would do that. And how did they choose you guys? Because, of, because apparently it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just you. There were also some Americans in there as well. Um, so yeah. So how did they? Do they just randomly just take foreigners? Obviously, the the eye is on the foreigners, um, and the, and they mistake many foreigners for being just Americans. So that's yeah. hard for them to understand that we were South Africans, because obviously um, their first reaction was, "But you're not black." So I think everybody from South Africa would have a black skin. Um, and that yeah. was um, difficult for them to grasp that we were South Africans. We were part of this nation. And obviously they've also got a religious reason why they kidnap um, people. And they explained that in quite detail to us. So, so Pierre was killed um, 48 hours before, before he was released. Um, what was the reason? What was the reason for that that they gave? Well, if they did give a reason. Yeah, they never really commented on that, except that um, it was because of the the failed rescue attempt um, to free Luke that the Americans had initiated. So I think there was an official um, statement made by Al-Qaeda just after the death of Luke and Pierre, where they did say that negotiations were ongoing um, for Pierre's release and that he had died um, in that attack. So they did make an official, but they, you know, they didn't really go into all the detail, I'm sure. So who killed, I mean, who killed Pierre? Was it, um, was it Al-Qaeda or was it the Americans? Because I think I just, uh, just according to the, to the introduction that I just read now, it says that it was, it was the American Navy SEALs. No, yeah, that's um, actually not correct. Um, oh. As far as I know, to my knowledge, um, it was Al-Qaeda that killed the two 
um, oh, wow. hostages, Luke and Pierre. Yeah. And how was this? The, um, the Navy SEALs. Um, yeah. Sorry, you the Navy SEALs went in to rescue. The Navy SEALs went in to rescue Luke, and then um, out of that resulted aggravation, and and um, they shot the hostages. Okay. So, so would you say that they were partially to blame for it? And that's a difficult question, Louisa. Um, yeah. Because I, there's no really eyewitnesses to say exactly what happened. I can't really um, comment on who's to blame and who's not to blame. What I do know is that everybody that are role players in that story, in that section of the story, um, needs to be forgiven. So I can't just extract one group and say, Al-Qaeda is forgiven and then, well, what about America? Yeah. They go in at a, at a moment when we were just about ready to have peer release. No, everybody is worthy of forgiveness because in Christ we have been forgiven and so Amen. we can forgive. That is so true. That is so true. So, mm-hmm. so, so you knew that Pierre was going to be released in, uh, in 48 hours when you guys got the news that he had been killed. Um, how did that affect you and your, and, and your family, especially the kids? Yeah, we had imagined a different type of a homecoming. It was a tremendous shock. Um, it was just completely the opposite of what we'd been expecting. Absolutely. And um, it took a while for us to really realize that this was true, this had really happened. Yeah. Obviously, you know, from that, uh, from that entire uh, ordeal and, and, uh, and tragic happenings, you then decided to write this, um, this book mm-hmm. or memoirs, uh, mm-hmm. 500, 558 Days. Is that the right, um, that's the right way to say it, or 558 Days? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, 558 it's just Days. The amount of time from the day of our kidnapping until Pia died is 558 days. Wow, how many years? That's like... It's That's almost f- two years. Wow. Oh. Wow. And um, and so I mean, like speaking about speaking about the book, why did you uh, why why did you decide to write this book? Louisa, mm. so for several reasons. First of all, um, I want there to be fruit from this distress that we went through. Yeah. Um, and we want this book to be a testimony of God's love. Yeah. As well as a message to husbands and fathers out there, a special message that for them to, to discover in the book how the love of a husband, um, as he is portraying God's love, Christ's love for us, how that can just really enable his family to continue despite the really difficult um, yeah. situation that they face. Wow. And um, yeah, so I mean, like, it was actually, it was actually at, a, at a media conference that uh, you said um, you said that you and the children have chosen to forgive. Um, mm-hmm. Why is and you speak about this a lot? You know, I I, I, I can hear why is forgiveness um, so important to you? Mm-hmm. Forgiveness and love really can't be separated. Um, they go hand in hand. They part of one parcel. Sure. But um, most important is because we know that we in Christ we have been forgiven we can give that um, forgiveness freely. And it's not because we, we're so cool or so smart that we can give that. It's, it's, it's because Christ enables us to give that forgiveness. And everybody is worthy. When he forgave and we, when we've been forgiven in Christ, there was no person that, that God said, well, he's not worthy enough and we can't forgive him or we can't forgive that one. And so it's, we can only live out what Christ's command is. It's, it's the same yeah, 
I think that's I think that's absolutely brave. Um, I guess we have to say that because I don't think that anybody could be strong enough, you know, to forgive the loss of either a husband or um, or, or or a father that was absolutely caused by by someone else. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're saying you obviously there were no eyewitnesses, so nobody's sure whether it was um, it was Al Qaeda or it was the U.S. government. So, mm-hmm. what are the steps that you have taken to um, to exercise this forgiven? Uh, th- this was forgi- this forgiveness. This forgiveness, yeah, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't only happen on that day of the media conference. It's a choice every day to to continue in that in that way to be Christ-minded, um, and obviously it's something that God is doing. It's not something that I can um, um, make it happen. It, it happens because we hold on to the Lord and to what He wants us to to live out. Um, for him, so we try practically. Just we know it's a choice. We try to encourage each other, and we remember that God has a bigger picture than what we can see, hmm. and His picture always includes people. That's and so awful. we look to that picture, and and even though we don't see it completely, or we see only parts of it, we can trust the Lord that He has that picture completely in His hand. Yeah, and I guess you know, forgiveness is an it's an ongoing process. Would you mm-hmm. would you say that? Yes, forgiveness is an ongoing process, and it gets um, easier as time goes by. Mm. That's awesome. I want to go back to that. I want to go back to the time when you when you and Pierre were captured. Um, apparently, you've got a psychology background. Mm-hmm. Um, did that so? Did, did that in any way sort of benefit you and uh, and and Pierre during your during this incident? Uh, Louisa, I think um, you should also know. You know, when we grow up. God uses different experiences that we go through, life events, training, and he puts all those tools in the toolbox for us because he knows what is the purpose for our lives. Amen. He knows the beginning of the end. So the psychology background was just one of the tools that he had put in place inside our toolbox to use. And we, we pulled out those tools. We we used them. We broke them. Some of them didn't work. Um, and we used other tools as well. So all of this together made up a package of of how how mm. we were able to continue. Yeah, no, that's so true. But then again, you know, the other thing that I know is that you can be you can be always prepared, be prepared for pain. Um, like for instance, about about two years ago, um, my uh, my mother-in-law was 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 living with us, and she had cancer. And we knew that it's probably just a matter of days. But I know that once that sort of happens, um, no matter how prepared you were for it. Um, it still, you know, it still hurts, and um, and it still kind of turns your turns your world around. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what did you learn, just personally, about about just trauma, and mm-hmm. um, and 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 grieving, which is obviously uh, not, you know, not in the way that the textbook, you know, sort of um, sort of puts it out as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my experience have taught me that it's a little bit different than what um, maybe the textbook have said. That there are different phases that you that you can identify, different emotions, let me rather call it that way. Yeah. But that in the first place, because we are so unique, um, and like our fingerprints are unique, we our grieving way of grieving is also unique like a fingerprint. And that um, for me it was more like a graph of emotions. Um, where that graph would contain all of those types of emotions like anger and and um, shock and depression and and, and Reality all at one at one moment, even sometimes several times a day, and then it would phase out again, and maybe after a week you'd get 
peaks of that again. Mm. So it, it, it's something that was different from what I had expected in that sense. But most of all, I've also learned that, that grief is not a place to stay. It's a passage. Yeah. And that um, it's not because of a lack of faith that you grieve. Um, it's because you've loved. Yeah, that's so true. Well, I know that, you know, to most people out there, if something like this ever happened, they would either, um, they would either run from God um, instead of in, instead of running to God. So, how has your relationship um, with God been affected um, by the by the incident? Yeah, we we really um, struck some moments where there was silence. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's scary. It's it's really scary when you're shouting and screaming and pleading with God, and there's just silence. So, I, I've hoped in the book to show how we we went through those different patches. Because I think it's something that happens um, more than we often would maybe admit. Yeah. Or in other trauma situations, it happens with people. And how God just showed us how we would get through that. Um, often we wouldn't have an answer for days. And then we'd look back suddenly and see, but there's God's fingerprints on that situation. So, if it was there, then he's going to be in this one as well. We just can't see it now because we're too traumatized. Yeah. But he's there all the time working these things for the good. Amen. Sure. That's great faith. You have them. I must really commend you for that. So then, do you live your life differently now um, than you did before the experience? Do you feel that this has changed you and your, and your perspective on life? Definitely, I've, I've, um, the children and myself have really realized that every day is an opportunity. It contains choices. Our attitudes can be chosen. And that we never know when today is the last day. Yeah. So my challenge also out there for everybody, for the listeners, are, are you sure you're ready? First of all, are you sure your relationship with God is ready? And are you sure that you're ready to say goodbye, have you said your goodbyes, have you said I love you, I, I forgive you. Um, so uh, not only being ready with God, but being ready with your fellow human beings and yeah. taking that every day as maybe this is the last day, the last moment. Yeah. And what advice would you would you give our listeners, you know, out there after having been through this ordeal? It's difficult if, if you're a Christian, then... My advice would be just to keep pressing into God. Yeah. Keep pressing into the Lord. Um, he's holding you. You sometimes think that you are holding on to Him and you've got to keep holding on to Him, but He is holding you because the Word says that He will never forsake you and never leave you and nothing can separate you from Him. You can't take your name that is written in His hand out of His hand. Yeah. Um, so that would be my advice for people believing believers out there. Wow. Yolanda, your life is a true testament of, um, of just how great our, you know, just how great our God is. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit is also the comforter and we just pray mm-hmm. that, you know, because I know that a year is not a, is not a long time. Um, no. Especially through what you guys have been through and we really just pray, you know, that God is going to just keep comforting you guys and that, you know, that the, the devil, the devil will be shamed. Um, from all of this, you know, because all things work out for the good. And I know this all is hard to understand when such a thing has happened. Um, so thank you really just so much for your time. Um, Yolanda's book is available, um, from all, um, from all Kum stores, um, and also from Christian Art. So if you go to the Christian Art website, you can be able to get it from there. Um, Yolanda is joining us from, uh, from Cape Town. Thank you so much for your time and, and all the best with the future.
Thank you. You're so welcome. It was really great speaking to you. Thank you, Elandi. Okay. You can It is so challenging to hear stories such as Yolandi Korki's story and to fully understand why it is that she has chosen to forgive the people who held her hostage and killed her husband. But I guess you know what as Christians we need to always remember what Jesus did for us. He loved us whilst we were sinners and he also chose to forgive us. Actually, forgiveness is not only about others but also about our own spiritual growth. Love and forgiveness cannot be separated. And that's what a sentiment that Yolandi also um, also mentioned. If we choose to live out the love of God as the purpose of our life, then forgiving is an option that cannot be avoided. So as we celebrate this month of love, let us remember that love is not a feeling but an action. And I'm going to end in the words of Reinhold Niebuhr who said, Forgiveness is the final form of love. We love you here on The Open Book and see you again next week. This is CliffCentral.com.